Welcome to Prayer in Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. I'm one of your hosts, Jill Thompson. I'm a registered psychologist and sexual health educator from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And my name is Nick Coates. I'm a minister here in Calgary. This podcast is open, honest, raw conversations, most likely conversations you have not heard in church. But we think you probably should. Each episode, we tackle a topic about spirituality and sexuality, and we see where it goes. So let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Prayer and Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. I'm super stoked about this episode because uh, for the first time, we are doing something that we've always talked about for from the get-go, and we have some guests on the show. Um, and we're doing that because for the past few episodes, um, all we've been talking about is conceptual stuff, theological stuff, and we want to kind of bring it back to our lived reality and our experiences and our stories, because mm-hmm. really that's where all our theology and concepts are derived from. So we're just going to have an episode today about sharing some stories about um, a universal experience that so many people have, and that is our first time. Yeah. We wish that we could play Feels Like the First Time. There. That's it. Hopefully we don't get <laughs> That's all we can afford. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There's our whole budget for the season. Uh, no, but we are really excited because maybe you're sick of our voices and you want to hear other people's voices. Just kidding. I think that we have some really great stories, but mostly excited to have some special guests here today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we're just going to jump into this conversation about first times. I think it'll probably overlap with a lot of things that we've talked about already, like purity, what the Bible says about sex, and hopefully we'll go to some places we've never been before. So I'll let Kate introduce herself first. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm Kate Hunter. I grew up in Calgary. I am a cisgendered hetero female. Um, I'm married to the only person I've ever slept with. Um, so that's kind of why I'm here, because I bring that mm-hmm. yeah, that reality. Um, yeah, I grew up in the church, still apart. But um, I think my understanding of identifying as a Christian is shifting. But maybe that's... Maybe that's part of the whole other episode. Um, Yeah, so that's who I am. Awesome. And I'm Alan, and I currently am a do sales in a for a construction company here in Calgary. Born and raised Calgarian. Um, Started kind of my faith journey as a teenager. Uh, Went to Bible school. Uh, Was a youth pastor at a couple different places for about eight years. Um, And yeah, the my kind of evolution and my faith growth uh, has brought me to a few different places as far as um, different theology and especially on sexuality. So um, I'm, as Kate said as well, I'm also married to the only person I've slept with. So um, bringing that perspective along here with me. So cool. Thank you guys. Yes. I'm, I'm super excited to have some more people in the room and just have a conversation about the narratives that we each experienced about sex in church, um, what happened before the first time, after the first time, and how all that shaped kind of where we're at now with our faith and just seeing the evolution of it. So thank you so much for sharing stories and just being open and vulnerable with us. That's We've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. Mm-hmm. We named it before we conceptualized it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> As what happens most of our episodes, yeah, it's it's, we, we go with the name first. Yeah. Um, so if we could just start off first with uh, what were some of the the narratives around sex and sexuality that you that we grew up with? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, do you want to yeah start off, start us off? 
Sure. Well, and I think if you've been listening, I didn't grow up in the church. And so it's weird because I still had this idea that you had to like save sex for marriage, quote unquote. But then also something worked its way into my narrative that it had to be like this special person and this special moment. So as I got older, it was less about marriage, but more about just like this one perfect person and this perfect night, like night and thing. And so, yeah, I, I didn't grow up in the church and that's why I'm so excited to hear your three stories about what it was like. So that's, that's me. Yeah. What about for you, Alan? Um, yeah, growing up, it's, Sex was always considered to be for marriage. Um, wait to have intercourse on your wedding night. That was kind of the um, what was always encouraged. And anything outside of that was wrong. And um, <laughs> so with that message came, um, I don't know, like a lot of, there's a lot of negative emotions in there. And I think that um, my wife and I, we, we met each other when we were 15 and started dating when we were 15. And so, um, and we're married at 22. So that's, you know, mm. can I do that? Six years, I guess, of yeah. dating and figuring out who we were together. Um, and so even in the midst of like, as we developed a, a relationship and, and you know, things became more physical or you, you have your first kiss and different things like that, you start to wonder about whether or not these were, am I allowed to do this? Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to do this? Yeah. And so those questions aren't really talked about openly within communities. So you kind of figure it out with your friends or in the hockey locker room, which is a whole other different <laughs> story too. Um, so I had a lot of conflicting yeah. messages around that growing up. Yeah. Um, the other weird thing is men were always, it's always men are the leaders. And mm -hmm. so, and yet men, when it comes to sex, the message was men are, have this uncontrollable mm -hmm. urge. And so for whatever odd reason, women were the ones to blame if something kind of happened. Um, and yet the, I don't know, it was yeah. this message that clashed and didn't make a whole lot of sense. So, yeah, like you're a leader, you have all this response, you can be responsible for the church and everything, but you have no control when it comes to sex. Yeah. We've talked about that message mm -hmm. for sure, being super conflicting. Yeah. 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 What about for you, Kate? Um, I think the the message was that like that outside of marriage, like you said, um, that there's something like wrong with it, but not just that it's like that you're messing up for later. Like, I feel like that was a big thing. Like you guys mm. talked about the gum or like, mm -hmm. like this like perfect present that you could give your husband, but like, you don't want to give him like something that's already been like unwrapped and like patched up. Um, but that, that like, that there is nothing good that can be received from sex outside of marriage. Like it's all like bad mm. and like, like distorted and twisted. Um, and yet, as soon as you have a ring on your finger, then like somehow like then it's like this is what you get married for kind of like mm -hmm. to like have this this connection that's like totally like you can't even imagine how brilliant your relationship in sex will be. Um, and that to me was just so like then I think where we'll go with this later, like of inexperience that as I began to kind of like dabble with my own sexuality um, with my husband that like. It's like, oh, this is 
this is not what I was told that like this isn't bringing death or like shame or like mm. these terrible things that I thought that like yeah it's it seemed like it was just like sex outside of marriage is just for like physical gratification and like it's just bad and like there's no good that it can do for your relationship yeah yeah yeah, I find myself resonating with with all your stories because I, growing up, uh, up until a teenager, didn't have any any teaching in church about sex, um, for all kinds of reasons. But it wasn't a thing that I, I if you had told me at thirteen, like, oh, did did you ever hear a sermon about sexuality and gender and all this stuff in church? I would have thought like that's not something we talk about. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with religion. And then when I started attending a more evangelical church, that huge shift in that where yeah it was definitely something that you save until marriage uh, and they, they were also explicit like any kind of sexual contact mm-hmm. not just not just kind of penetration intercourse but anything is that's you wait and so very chaste very pure kind of living especially for the guys like this was they would split us up guys over here girls over here mm-hmm. no idea what they talked about but it was always like, keep it in your pants, like control yourselves, bounce the eyes and all that other kind of. Go out in pairs. Go, oh, go yeah. Out. Accountability yeah. partners mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, and underneath that, too, um, kind of similar to what you were saying, Jill, of um, we would pray for the one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, they, yeah. that, that she would come into our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and that there was only one. And there was only one. And I, I had a lot of fear of. Like, especially if I like this girl and in that kind of teenage infatuation kind of stage, if she didn't reciprocate that, I'd be like, oh, like, what if she's the one, like, either get would get angry at God or, like, feel a lot of, like, oh, then, like, what's going on with this theology? Mm-hmm. Is that the case? A lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And it was this, yeah, really mixed bag of in church, there's one person, you save yourself for them, you'll eventually meet them, so you pray for them. Any kind of sexual contact needs to wait. But I also kind of lived on the periphery of, of that evangelical church. And so in the hockey room, in school, I got a lot of the other narrative of like the virginity card is something to, like that's a shameful thing to still have. Mm. And like you need to go out and be a real man and like sleep with all the girls and like what are you doing? That was a conversation that my, other, my friends outside of church would have and even in church. With those friends, we would have that conversation too, uh, just not on sun- just not on Sundays, and yeah. very quietly. Uh, and so I, I had this two. My experience was two really competing narratives in the spaces that I occupied. Of no, sex is something you need to kind of have now and just get out of the way. Have as much of it as you can with as many people. That doesn't really matter. And over here, a very sacred, special thing that was saved for a certain time with a certain person, um, and it was all heteronormative. But it was it was treated really beautifully and, and sacredly. And so I felt really pulled kind of going throughout my church experience of like, where do I actually live? And I think I kind of existed in both mm-hmm. and was just ultimately really confused about how to understand sex and sexuality and how it all worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does sound like we all have some contradicting messages in terms of whether it's like an internal dialogue or the messages from the locker room versus the church. I'm curious if you're open to sharing this. What would you be open to telling us about your first time? I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot since we've been talking about it and like, yeah, it's funny memories. I could always start too. But let's, 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 if if Mm -hmm. one of you guys would 
would start us off because so they don't they're sick of hearing from us yeah so. sure yeah um i think it's hard to really say like what my first time was because mm-hmm. like my idea of like beforehand my idea of sex is when like the penis enters the vagina mm-hmm. um but i think like i'd i'd experienced more than definitely was like okay like according to my upbringing um for a season before that so I don't know, like the first time I had an orgasm was just when we were like making out and, and then like my body felt all warm and lovely. And I was like, oh shit, I've done something terrible here. Yeah. And like felt so like, I don't know, like rewind 10 seconds felt so like I am in love with this person and just felt so close and connected. And then like this thing that my body's like, yeah, we are close and connected. This is great. This thing happened. And yeah, I felt so like, oh, I don't know what to do right now. Um, yeah, so like that happened. So it, like I feel like that was the first time that I had like a sexual experience of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the first time that we like actually had sex, like I I don't feel like we really crossed any more boundaries than we had before. Or like, I don't know, before we did that, it felt like, quite a big thing um and even like I decided like kind of between me and God like this is the person I want to be with like the Alberta government doesn't know about it and I haven't bought a wedding ring but like I felt like in my soul I am I am united to this person so I kind of felt like I'm good with this (laughs) so and that was before you were legally married yeah yeah. so there was some kind of because I think that's just to clarify for everyone because I think that's a really important yeah. point to make that we don't talk a lot yeah. about in church circles of just there was this mm-hmm. kind of three-way conversation going on between yourself, mm-hmm. your partner, and God, and just there's some, this is, some threshold got crossed. Yeah, like I felt like for whatever, like whatever the definition of marriage is, that like I want to be united with this man for the rest of my life. Like, so in one way, I like, I felt like I had married myself to him. Um, but like nobody else in my life saw that because that was also the day that we conceived our child, Marin. Right. So she's out there in the world. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And like that brought with it a big thing because like I, yeah, like before my husband, as I said, like had never messed around, never even really had the desire to like, that wasn't a part of my life. I was like quite the, like, I'm the good girl that does what my parents want me to. And like, I thrive in their, um, their pride of me. And then this thing of me, like finding this man that I was in love with, like, and the fact that we had had sex and also got pregnant. So like, couldn't even pretend it was like, we'd been messing around for, I don't know how long before that, but like, because we were pregnant now people know. And like, mm-hmm. now it's this terrible, shameful thing. Um, yeah. So that brought like a lot of can of worms with it. Yeah. 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 yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all just thinking sure. in our heads right now. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and also probably, I know Nick and I are probably thinking about other questions, but hopefully we can come back to some of that because I think that that is important and there is a shift there, right? The both things, so two things that came up for me was this, this orgasm piece and why that doesn't count as you know, sex, quote unquote, mm-hmm. about how like meaningful that was for you. But also this idea that, yeah, you, you got pregnant and then mm-hmm. the messages change from there too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's the, yeah, again, that, that conversation we don't have a lot about of, you know, what counts, what is a spiritual union mm-hmm. between two people and kind of that, that quote unquote marriage piece. Can we feel that before we sign a legal document? Yeah. Um, and that's because growing up, that was what I understood marriage to be was like, oh, you go into a church, you have a ceremony, you sign a piece of paper and that's what, once you hang that piece of paper on your wall, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But underneath that and, and experiencing this mess off of like, but I, there's some sort of really powerful connection here that's more than just emotional. It's more than just physical. It's There's a spiritual union happening here mm-hmm. and just feeling really confused about that. So I think that's just a really important part to to follow up on maybe later of, because I think we could all identify with, with that part of your story of like, mm-hmm. and how does that part of factor in? What do we do with our emotions and our sexual attractions in that moment? And just how do we navigate all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Alan. <laughs> yes. Um, I resonated with a lot of, or with portions of your your story there, Kate. And uh, Yeah, good. Um, shit. <laughs> Which parts did you resonate with? I totally lost my train of thought. Tell us about your first time. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, when you first asked the question, and it was it, my mind immediately went to the intercourse piece, and then um, you know, as Kate's speaking, I was like, "Well, no, there is like this kind of this progression of like um, sexual experiences, and those all happened um, with my wife." And I remember like even simple things like um, first kiss, and like I kind of like blacked out at my first kiss, and it was like mm-hmm. this quick peck on the cheek. I don't even think we were like really dating at the moment <clears throat> and it was we had gone to a movie and we were getting dropped back off at at my house or she was dropping me off and it, it was like this quick kiss on the on the cheek or on the lips and i just turned around went in my house <laughs> shut the door <laughs> i love it she just kind of like Aww. stood on the on the front anyway so that, like even little things like that that as like a 16 year old mm-hmm. and it's like this is also new these are like incredibly you know, relative to the things before are these like erotic experiences. And yet now after marriage, it's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, kiss every day. And you, you have different emotions with that too. Um, even like holding hands. So there's like, you know, watching a movie, holding hands is like this huge, yeah. wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just as we, as our relationship grew and developed and, and um, you know, you start, fooling around or making out and um yeah like we there was a point as well where we where I felt this is the person I'm going to be with Mm -hmm. and I think that was a shift even for myself whereas before um you know and we'd fool around there would be this guilt but there would be this connection piece too Mm um and the guilt was that oh Jesus is watching. He's Mm. so disappointed. What have I done? Um, And yet the, the physical part kind of grows with the emotional part of the relationship. So Mm. there's this natural kind of progression. I think that happens in a relationship that, um, you know, that's consensual and, and going along together. And so we, I remember we, I was working at, 
at a camp in the summer and I was just like so emotional at the end of one of the weeks and I don't even know what was going on. I think it was sleep, sleep deprivation or something, <laughs> yeah. right? And I was just in tears and I was like, I feel like God's telling us, telling me that we need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like, what a fucking cop out first <laughs> off. Aww. And second off, it was like, just devastating for both of us. And so it was like this 12 hour break. And so, um, and she didn't know what was going to happen. Like the next day we were going to church and I was just like, I'm an idiot. Like Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time that night talking with one of our mentors and, and just different things like that and trying to process some of it. So it was after that moment, that was when it was like, okay, there's the commitment piece that, Mm -hmm. um, that moving forward, I can see, I see myself being with this person for the rest of my life. Um, and so, yeah, then you kind of start looking forward to when, like we, we didn't have intercourse until our wedding night. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this, all this buildup about what that was going to be. It was going to be this, like the fireworks go off (laughs) everything, like all this guilt and Mm -hmm. garbage that we carry around with for the last, for our lives about messaging in the church is somehow like going to come to fruition and, and be gone. And, um, and for us on our wedding night, it physically, it just didn't work. And so there was like this huge, like excitement and freedom, but mixed with like this disappointment. Um, and so that took a long time for us to work through and, and it took a number of months until it all fit together. Yeah. And it was like, we were high-fiving each other <laughs> finally, right? Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, so there, it still is, um, it was difficult for a long time yeah. because of that, that guilt and that shame piece mm-hmm. um, that just kind of followed you along and because you got so used to that, that close connection and then like 10 seconds later, it was just like this huge drop and you're like, well, shit. What like mm-hmm. why is that still following me around? You're kind of told mm. it's going to be gone, yeah, mm-hmm. and that this was this magical thing, and that God was in the midst of it. Um, and yeah, so there is that disappointment with God in there too that you kind of felt lied to yeah. in a sense, you know. And um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a way of people trying to tell you to, I don't know, control your behavior in some way. They're just guilting you into not doing it because they kind of, they've seen behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of different things mixed in there for us or for me personally. I know that my wife has, we share a story, but hers is a distinct story as well. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Thanks man. That's- yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's. I think, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate the vulnerability <clears throat> that both of you have shared and your stories. Yeah, should, should we share? Yeah, let's, again, I think we we need to. It's because yeah. I think it was really interesting to hear both of those because it's parts I resonated with mm-hmm. and like, yeah, experienced that, yeah, that too. But then because I kind of had a foot in each camp, I had this totally other experience where. Um, I lied about my first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, "Are you are you a virgin?" I'm like, "No," and had this this visceral kind of reaction within me, be like, "No, of course I'm not. Like, yeah. I'm not a virgin. Like, who's a virgin?" 
And I could feel this, this part of me kind of reacting against that, that notion that virginity is something that you should be ashamed of and not have. And right on the toes of that was this kind of spiritual conviction of like, yes. And it was just before my first time I had this really mixed tug of war between like, well, which one am I? What, what one am I going to actually own? Um, So I ended up lying to her. I'm like, no, I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, And it was okay. Uh, But the whole time was this conversation that outpowered anything else that I was experiencing of like, I, I I lied about this. I lied to you. The person I'm sleeping with for the first time, I just lied to you about that. I know what I'm doing. And then it had this really powerful internal struggle full of guilt and shame, but also pride and wonder and experience of this whole really weird act that I was participating in. And then afterwards, uh, spent a long time rumbling with the shame of losing my virginity and the narratives coming back from the church of she's supposed to be the one. And I didn't know at that point, I had no idea what I wanted. I had just started seminary had just kind of was figuring out what I want to do with my life. And I had no idea who I was going to end up with or what kind of person I wanted to end up with. I had never really been in a significant relationship at all. And so a lot of shame and guilt around that and felt very much like God was doing that. Nick, man, I'm disappointed in you. Cause that's what I was taught would happen. If like, you'll have to answer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also had this, like beautiful kind of reflection, like, wow, that's like, that's what sex is. That was so intimate and amazing and powerful. And I I want to do it again. Uh, But just kind of spiraled out into this really crazy spiritual struggle of trying to figure out what is sex and what does this mean? How is it related to God? Um, And I, I don't know when I had sex next, but it wasn't for a long time because I just, I just felt so rocked by that first experience and trying to figure out, well, what, who do I want to be? Do I want to own kind of my spiritual values and, or I want to kind of have the more of the, what I feel find my dominant culture teaching me. And just, I didn't really know where to live. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to, until I met my, my partner now of figuring out like, no, this is, I want to own this part of my spirituality that sex is a part of this. And so I want to be consistent across the board. And not just do it because culture tells me I'm supposed to do it or because that's what my my mind and body want, uh, but because there is something really beautiful happening here. And just want to commit to that and, and try, try to be honest and open about, about that. Yeah. Those are all nice stories. I decided at choir camp who I was going to have sex with because <laughs> everybody else was starting to have sex. I don't know. I was like, I think 16. And uh, yeah, I had like a best friend at that time that was a couple of years older. And I ended up dating that person for like four or five years. Um, But yeah, just decided, (laughs) I just like made a decision. Like that's the person that I'm going to have sex with for the first time. But when you, sorry, when Kate, you talk about like orgasm being the first thing or, you know, you kind of put in, like first kisses and that there's way more meaningful experiences. Not that my first time wasn't meaningful. I mean, we were like best friends um, and it was a fine experience, 
but I didn't have an orgasm with a partner until way into my twenties. Yeah. And then you think about like queer sex and like, it's different. Um, like it can be, especially when you own your queerness and actually come out, it feels like another first time. And I felt like that was way more emotional than, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should do a whole like queer sex first time. Cause I actually went over to my friend's house and asked my, my two friends who are also queer, like, how, like to show me how they had sex basically because I was so nervous. <laughs> so we like poured a glass of wine and went into the bedroom. They didn't get naked or anything, but we were like goofing around and having, we were laughing about it, but it was so meaningful for me. And I just remember crying and all of us sitting and saying, I'm so scared because yeah. of all this baggage that I have, mm-hmm. even though I've been quote unquote having sex for years maybe yeah forever I felt like at that point but this felt different and just crying and my friends crying when we you know yeah anyway it was just a really funny experience so yeah first time technically was like fine and not a bad experience I didn't feel any of like the church guilt and shame but when it came to queer sex all that stuff came up for me about well how are you gonna have kids can you even get married? You can't get married in the church. So does this even count? And it was way more overwhelming in that moment than in that like hetero moment when I was 16. So. Yeah. And just hearing all these stories for me just shows the, like the, just how much of an intersectionality there is to Mm -hmm. this conversation that I think we'd all say that we need to do better at in church where what, what is marriage? And what, when we talk about saving ourselves for that one that one is that just one person? What does that feeling look like? Is it legal marriage? Is it more of a spiritual covenant that we're going to create with that one person and say, I want to do this with you? Mm-hmm. What sex? What is sex? What counts? Mm-hmm. I remember having conversations with guys and like, what are the loopholes? Mm. Like, oh, we can, you can French kiss, but you can't, you, you know, just, just that. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, nothing. There's nothing in the Bible about that. <laughs> and we felt so confident, but what? We, no one ever told us otherwise. And so trying mm-hmm. to figure out, is it orgasm? Is it penetration? Is it anything goes? What What is the sacred act that we're actually saving? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you throw queerness into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have conversations about sin and all that stuff underneath mm-hmm. that. Like we just, there's so many avenues to go down talking about first time and how it connects to our faith and spirituality. And what do we need to, if we're going to be, fans and followers of Jesus who want to take this seriously, what are the things that we actually need to, to think about and try to honor with our bodies and our partners and our relationships? Yeah. And what's the, the why underneath all of that? Yeah. I know. I, when, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, so I, Cause I certainly, I just, my, my mind just went to the why and mm-hmm. I don't think I was thinking at all about my partner for that first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about me and like, I'm going to have sex, I'm going to have sex, I'm going to have sex. Um, and it was consensual for sure, but never did I have, I never thought of like, are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are we good? And the fact that I'm lying to you right now should set off a red flag right. in my head. Um, but if if dignity and honoring and respect are things that that Jesus holds so high and that the Spirit wants us to honor, I didn't know what kind of thoughts I should have had going into that and what kind of conversations do we need to have before we get into this? And are you comfortable with this? How do we do this? Mm-hmm. It was more just this awkward fumbling around and just pretending I knew what I was doing. 
Um, but it was inherently an inward goal that I had. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever asked her if she had an orgasm or if how was it for you. It was more just all about me. And that's certainly what I was taught yes. from mm-hmm. the dominant culture was like, it's all about you, but yeah. what is, how did our faith shape that? So I guess one of the questions we have mm-hmm. is how does, how do, whether it's our first time or, or the sex we've had after, how has that shaped how we understand our, our spirituality and our faith and kind of what, what it calls us to do and how it calls us to act? Just small questions, you know. <laughs> I think that can be answered in a few different ways. That like, like, what is my faith actually? Like, how does my faith inform it? And how does Christianity inform it? Because I think like once sex is okay within like marriage or whatever, uh, within Christianity, I feel like what you just touched on that like, it's primarily for the guy. Like in a hetero experience, I feel like it's like women need to like be subservient or like whatever, like, I don't know, like I know people who have been married a long time and it's like they have kind of written off if they're going to have orgasms or not because like that's not the priority it's like meeting his needs um which i don't think is okay at all um and i don't think that's biblical either um because like if if sex is supposed to be this thing that like unites you and like really like celebrates and strengthens your family or whatever like then how can it be that it's just for the one person that like like, yeah. Um, so, like, that narrative, though, like, followed us. And I think, like, informed my first time of, like, I didn't have an orgasm. And it didn't seem like a big deal to me. Because it was just, like, mm-hmm. like we're doing this. And, like, he had an orgasm. So, we had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, like, that confusion of, like, no, like, I'm a person in this. And, like, I'm not just here to be, like, utilized like a machine. Um like, yeah, we worked through that for a while, um, which I, like, I want to say that I don't think he brought that in. Um, like, I definitely was much more, like, brought that own shit with myself. Um, but then, like, once, I feel like once we realized, or once I realized, even though, like, God has created me with a clitoris, and, mm-hmm. like, it's there for a reason, and its only reason is to bring me pleasure, and then, like, that's not there accidentally, like, and it's worthy mm-hmm. of like being acknowledged and, yeah. um, and yeah, like how that just changes the, like, we can play around with things in sex, even like in marriage and like, it's okay if it's not like the prescribed, like, this is what we're supposed to do. Like whoever's making the supposed to, um, but that like sex has been made by God to be an enjoyable thing and, um, like choosing to like get over my own, like, Queasiness isn't the right word. Like mm. jitteriness, I guess, of of being able to own like, no, this feels good and this doesn't feel good. And like communicating that yeah. um, to my partner and like not being like, ooh, am I allowed to say this right now? But like, no, like this is this is important. This is what we're here for. Like not just for my needs and not just for his needs, but mm-hmm. like for for the enjoyment of bringing each other pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think, I think Jesus is right on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely felt... Like, yeah, when I said, oh, the first time was fine, like, it wasn't, it was just fine because, yeah, it's defined by that person having an orgasm, Mm -hmm. and that's how it felt forever, and it was never really talked about in church or out of church, even, so both cultures that, like, women can be, can enjoy sex at the same time and have pleasure and have orgasm, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I definitely resonate with that, yeah. 
What about for you, Alan? How has it changed since then? Yeah. Um, I think my faith has informed it in, um, involving my wife in more of the conversation. Um, when I was younger, I was, you know, I remember at, at college, like even I started college, I think as pretty much a complementarian and left as an egalitarian. Mm. And so there was the, and I got married in the middle of it. Right. <laughs> and it like, so it, it's just this hilarious. You and, know, and if those words confuse you, uh, <laughs> go back to our podcast listening. And if the gendered episode is up yet, yeah. um, listen to it and we'll break down what those things are. Mm-hmm. But sorry. Perfect. Excellent. Um, yeah. So that, that was a shift in me when we were dating, married. And then by the time, you know, uh, we were married, I was like, well, this is, we're equal in this. Um, and so that I think over time changed conversation about it. Um, we're pretty open when we do talk about sex about it. Um, and I think is the one other thing that changed too, when I, when we, before we got married, it was like, we're going to have sex all the time. And it was like, I remember we did pre-marriage counseling. I don't know. It's that. Yes. We all kind of did that. It's mm-hmm. kind of a Christian only side of thing. It's super. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, I think queer, it's helpful, I but I think it. it's kind of odd. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> so we did that. And I remember one of the questions was like, on your honeymoon, how many times do you expect to have sex? Oh. <laughs> I did not. Because we like worked through like whatever, some yeah. book, right? Yes. And, uh, and just as a way of opening conversation about expectations too. And mm-hmm. I was just like three times a day, like, I'm like <laughs> this, that's all we're going to do. What else are we going to do? Yeah. And, and then the honeymoon comes and you're like, this is clearly not the way that it's going to happen. Um, and, and uh, we had loads of fun on our honeymoon. I'm not going to deny that, but as time goes on, you're just like, no, this happens less frequently or then you, expect as a teenager, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm okay with that. And I, like, we both are discovering ourselves and what, um, sort of that pattern or that flow in our own sexuality with each other, what that looks like. Um, and so I feel like it's now it's, especially with kids, um, it's the, the, the quality over the quantity, I feel like. <laughs> Whereas like when you're a teenager, especially in the in the locker room, it's like, no, quantity is all that matters. Mm. Um, so I think that's been a very different shift for me. Um, and 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 learning what it means to be intimate, even mm-hmm. outside of that like sexual experience, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't often get talked about. Like what's it's kind of hinted at, I think, when when we talk about it's this special experience, or that it's this. Um, I keep touching my. Or that it's <laughs> this bonding. Like I don't know even what that means. I remember a friend telling me he had a um, a sex ed teacher glue two pieces of wood together mm-hmm. as like an an example and then at the end of it like pried him apart and it was like see if you have sex with someone it's irreparable damage to you and um 
but if you, you know, save it for marriage, then you're forever bonded. And I'm like, well, I think that's hinting at intimacy, but it's, it still misses it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So there's never yeah. been that kind of side of the conversation too, that we're slowly trying to figure out and mm-hmm. navigate those waters. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of it. And even like the Bible part of it is a whole other conversation <laughs> as far as like, how do I talk about it with my friends? What does that look like for my children? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is the conversation different for a teenager as opposed to an adult? Um, just with different development um, there. So even looking at what, what does the Bible say? I growing up, it was like, well, it's obvious you save it for marriage and, and that's that. Um, then you start reading, reading the Bible and you're like, what? <laughs> Every story is completely different. There's yeah. all sorts of different ex- expectations on, on marriage and yeah. on what happens when you have sex. Women are just property. So like, what does that look like in, you know, 2,500 years later? Um, how do we read that backwards from our perspective to there? What mm-hmm. are they really trying to say? What's, what's, underneath that story there so yeah yeah man that's influenced me (laughs) tremendously yeah um yeah alan and i went to bible college together so you'll appreciate in the last podcast when we talk about gender i talk about mark mealy like blowing my mind and being like (laughs) you can believe this and then take you the other route and be like or this and you're like i don't know anymore the bible's confusing Yeah. yeah yeah i remember um you know at a point i was asking questions and i i i was at chapters when I was a pastor, I spent, I would go to chapters like four times a week and just be like, Oh, I'm going to buy a book. And the people at chapters started to get to know me and they're like, Oh, what's this one about? So I'd chat with them, but I saw one there called unprotected texts. Yes. Great and book. it friggin blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Holy shit. All of this is in here. Like, yeah. and anyway, so that, that was such a gift to me as I sort of navigated those questions. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think for me, it's the similar takeaways and, and growings, but the maybe just to kind of capture it all is intimacy itself has changed mm-hmm. and growing up it was, Oh, sex is intimacy. And that that's how you express your intimacy with one another. Yeah. And then since being in a committed relationship, where we've had that kind of spiritual union, mm-hmm. it's like no, there's so many other ways to to achieve that intimacy, um, and sex is is one of many things. And so the primacy of sex as a way of com- of communicating our love and showing our relationship has has definitely fallen down a few notches. Mm-hmm. And it's more quality time. How do we are we communicating vocationally and spiritually? Are we having quality time together? And so that's definitely become. I've learned differently about how about what relationships actually look like, and yeah. it's not just about the sex, but it's actually about the commitment yeah. and the the how do you honor each other. And I think that would be the other thing that's changed from growing up would be the the partnership within sex and making sure that I'm trying to pay attention to her needs and her wants and desires, and also paying attention to the fact that if she's not in the mood that's something that I have to re- learn to respect and make room for. Yeah. And it's not just because I'm the guy, like I get what I want, it's like headship, come on. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, like you, you have your own history and your own baggage and your own views and things that, 
that you want to honor. And I, because I love you, I need to make space for that. Mm. And so sex has become something that's, that's talk a lot about. And that's not something we were ever taught how to do. It was just, just it felt like it was something that we just kind of know because it's once we get to that level in our relationship, oh, you just kind of figure it out. Mm. But it's so much more complicated and requires so much communication. And we struggle constantly to learn how to have those conversations. So we're making sure that we're respecting each other, that we're loving each other, and that we're trying to do what works for for us as a couple, but also us as individuals and spiritual beings. And so it's it's become much more complex, uh, but within that, so much better. Yeah. And, it's just, and it's so much more alive and so much more beautiful because I think we get to experience just the the totality of what God's created sex to be or what the intention is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's that much bigger and different things kind of sex and intimacy is expressed and, and experienced in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's definitely challenged me as a pastor of like, how do we, how do we actually have these conversations that are so contextual and so vague in so many ways, but how do we, encourage people to talk about quality instead of quantity and how do we especially as men shift from like oh how many times are you guys doing it to like how is it like is it is it fulfilling are you paying attention to her needs is she paying attention to yours how do we how do you have those conversations and just how do we create space to have those really deep spiritual conversations because i think it's there that we can begin to correct some of the narrative that we've been given around sex that's biblical or theological because it's like oh this is me and if god loves me and god needs to pay attention to my experience and how do we how do we base conversations around how do we have them more organically mm-hmm. yeah have i yeah. answered this i feel like you have not answered i, I was no. like i don't I feel think like i have. talked in my head and responded to all of you yeah um I feel like I'm still working through in terms of like how faith shapes sexuality for me now and vice versa. I feel like I'm still working through so much sadness and I wish I could go back to my smaller Mm. self and younger self and say things. Yeah. Like you are worthy despite these experiences that you've had or despite what these people have said. Um, Yeah. And so I feel like I'm still working through that and that informs a lot of where I'm at and why I do what I do. But my current relationship. So I am married on our first date. um, So we're in a queer relationship and not that this happens a lot in queer world, but our first date, I said, okay, listen, I want, I want to have a family. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I do want to get married. I want to get married in a church and I'm Christian and queer. (laughs) Like, Not the best way to start a like queer date. Like, yeah, this is like a hipster coffee shop with all these other queer folks around. I was like, no, this is. And so this is the first relationship where I feel like I've brought all of the pieces of me because I feel like in so many relationships, I didn't, I had to turn off pieces of me, whether it was like, yeah. yeah. And so this is, yeah. And it, it makes such a difference and the intimacy is different. And we joked a lot at the beginning as we first started navigating conflict in our relationship because it was in our sex life that we had amazing communication because of our past experiences in the church in a way. And we were like, how can we bring that same narrative into our conflict in like day-to-day life? Because it was, yeah, we had such connection and intimacy there because we put it all on the table. Um, So it is, 
it's just different. But yeah, that's me. Yeah, thank you for that. I love how I think that's that's a great takeaway for us to think, you know, if around sex should not require us to turn pieces of ourselves off. Yeah. Or faith. Our faith shouldn't require fa- us yeah, yeah. to turn pieces of ourselves off. Yeah. Either. And how do we just again with those conversations, how do we have those conversations? Those are things that we need to take into account. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe as we like one way to wind up, because we're getting close to like the the hour mark. So sad. Um if maybe I don't maybe this is silly, but are there things that you you could go if you could go back and tell your fifteen year old self something about sex that you know now that you think your fifteen year old self would appreciate hearing? What would that What would that be? I gotta think about that for a second. Yeah, that's fair. I thought I have an answer because I thought the question. So oh, I'll, I what, 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 what you guys think? I think it's. Again. <laughs> I think I'd say slow down. Mm. Like it's, I know everything around you is saying this is the one thing you need to devote your life to and spend hours fantasizing about and consuming all your conversations with your friends. But it, it can wait um, and offer, offer little Nick some things to think about. Like how to, it's not just about you. It's about, it's about her. Mm. Uh, and try to expand the conversation that I was having within myself. Because I, did, I didn't start thinking about the wide conversation until I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would say that, that God is not disappointed with you. Mm-hmm. Despite what you did. I need to hear that now. Yeah, me too. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to cry oh, right now. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know that you're going to make mistakes. Talk about it. Don't take advantage of people, but that God's not disappointed. Mm-hmm. And mm. you are still loved. Um, yeah. So good. Yeah. I think I would say to to find someone who is okay with the reality of what I was going through. Um, And like, I I feel like so much of kind of what came about was because when I would talk about my, like what was going on with my friends, um, when like my parents, it would just be like, you can't like, don't, don't do this. Like, bad things are going to happen. Um, which didn't like, I didn't take their advice and like run with it. I was like, okay, whatever. And like, didn't think I had four seconds to buy some condoms. Um, and yeah, like I feel like so much of this is going on and there's kids who are confused and scared and like really alone because anybody that they can talk to just might jump down their throat over it. And Mm. yeah, I really wish that I'd found somebody who's like, it's a, okay, let's like, Nice. Let's go for coffee and chat about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would tell my 15-year-old self that, like, as a woman, you're more than your sexuality. And you're more than just somebody who is at the disposal of men. And, yeah. Just awesome. worth more. So, for those of you listening who are maybe going up to your first time and thinking about it, or for those of you who have had great times or maybe not so great times. 
um, yeah, the, the wisdom coming from this is slow down. Um, this is not, this is not the be all and end all of your life, your spirituality or anything like that. Uh, there's always, always grace for you. Uh, find someone to talk to. Find someone who will actually hear you out and f- help you navigate this really beautiful, sacred, but challenging intersection and own who you are and don't let anyone oppress you or tell you that you are just a body um, or just a means to an end, uh, yeah. but give yourself the, the love and the worth that God has for you. Guys, thank you so much. Yeah, thank thanks you. for, for doing this. This like for your stories, for your presence. That's this might be my favorite one yet. Me too. Just to have your voices and your your vulnerability and your your faith show out. Like, thank you so much for that. That's that was beautiful. Yeah, and for those listening, we really hope that you'll email us some of your stories, or even if you had something that came up, like a memory or just or something resonated or connected for you, just email us. We'd love to hear from you, and. Yeah, hopefully have some more guests on and keep talking about this. Absolutely. All right. Well, until next time, grace and peace, everyone. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Prayer and Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, head to soundcloud.com slash prayer and private parts for more episodes. And if you have some questions, if you have some requests, email us. You can reach me and Jillian at prayerandprivateparts at gmail.com. But thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Please note that while these conversations are just conversations between us, they do not replace any serious psychological or even theological advice. And that if you find yourself triggered in one of our episodes, please know that you can find help in your area. If you don't know of any of those places that are safe for you to access in terms of a distress center or a church that's safe and affirming, we can try and help you find that and you can email us. 